Hi guys, my name is Sarah Balding and this is my podcast, Faithfully Following. So today we are going to be looking um, in Acts 16 and we're going to be talking about Paul and Silas being in prison there. And with that, we're going to get into a little bit of um, praising God, a little bit of uh, sharing the gospel, and um, a little bit of this idea of being selfless, which I feel like we live in a world where um, even me, but everyone seems so selfish, so focused on themselves, their lives, their agenda, their goals, their future. And um, as Christians, we're supposed to be selfless. And so we're going to talk about all of that today. And we're going to start off with some prayer. Dear God, I thank you for another day that we get to serve you and uh, go out into the world and just be your witnesses. I pray that um, today we could learn some of your truth and dive into your word and then apply it to our own lives. I pray that you would soften our hearts to hear your voice and to be moved by um, your truths that you have to share with us today. I pray that you would use me um, to share those uh, that you have put on my heart to share with these people. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So this uh, story takes place in Philippi, which is where Paul and Silas have been sent to spread the good news. And so I'm just going to do a little bit of summary of what is happening before we jump into it. But I am starting in Acts 16, 11 with that, and then we'll eventually end up a little bit later in Acts 16. So it starts off that they're going to Philippi. And when they're there, they um, meet a woman named Lydia, and she is a little bit well off, and so they preach the gospel to her, and as she listens, the Lord opens her heart, and she accepts what Paul is saying, and she was baptized along with other people from her household, and so this is just like a success story. It's the first story we hear someone in Philippi, and they are coming to Christ um, because of the good news that was spread, and she offers to let uh, Paul and Silas stay in her home and they do decide to. So then the next story we hear of someone in Philippi um, where Paul and Silas are are preaching is this um, demon-possessed slave girl. Um, She's introduced in Acts 16, 16. And it says that she was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. Now, this is important because her masters were using her to make a profit because she was a fortune teller and because she was demon possessed. And so she would follow Paul and and the rest of the the group that was um, evangelizing and sharing the gospel. And she would shout, Um, This is from verse 17. These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now, this seems accurate. This seems like the truth. But the important thing to remember is that the gospel during this time was commanded to be shared by the apostles, by Paul and Peter and all of the other um, people that were commissioned by God to go out and share the good news. And it says in verse 18, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, 
I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. So Paul really here is doing um, the Lord's work in getting rid of this demon that probably was inhibiting their ability to spread the good news by constantly interrupting them by shouting this. And so it's important to note here that Paul is commanding in the name of Jesus Christ. He's not doing it by his own strength. And that's another thing that is a theme throughout Acts is that all of these apostles are not doing these miracles, are not um, exercising these demons in this um, scenario without the power of the Holy Spirit and without God, because it's not them. They're not the ones to be worshipped. They're not the ones that are important. They're spreading the news about the one who's important, Jesus Christ. And so it's by his power that um, Paul was able to do that. And so we pick up in verse 19 now that her master's hope of wealth was now shattered. And this is very important because, like we mentioned, this girl was being used to make these masters money. And now that the demon is gone, she's no longer able to do that. And so these guys are really upset and they end up putting Paul and Silas in jail over false claims that they are promoting illegal um, practices for the Romans, which is not true. They are just preaching the gospel. So mob forms in verse uh, 22, and um, Paul and Silas are beaten, badly beaten, and they are thrown into prison. And it says in verse 23, the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon, and clamped their feet in the stocks. So we have this picture of Silas and Paul preaching the gospel, some people coming to faith. Um, they, they take a demon out of this woman in Jesus' name, and then they're imprisoned for it. And it kind of seems like this, this hopeless moment, um, but you would be surprised what Paul and Silas do in this moment, because they have been in jail a couple times before um, just for preaching the good news, and they always uh, respond significantly. And so in verse 25, we get to see that response. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And this is just like kind of a transition into what's about to happen next, but it um, seems really important to me to we, it just shows the character of Paul and Silas in this moment because they are praising God when they are in prison, when they are wrongfully imprisoned, when um, probably I would just sit there being upset, feeling sorry for myself, but instead they are praising God, not only just praying to him, they're singing hymns to him. And I think this really is a great picture of their faith. And something that it reminded me of is some of the Psalms. So over the past two weeks, since my last episode, I actually read 75 Psalms, which is a lot. And there's a story behind why I decided to do that. But one of the things that it taught me was some of the themes that run throughout a lot of the Psalms. And one of them is this idea of having hope when it seems hopeless and and praising God no matter your worldly circumstances because you have hope and you're looking towards eternity. And so one of the Psalms that is like this is Psalm 71. And when I was reading this passage in Acts, I couldn't help but think about it. 
Um, just some of the verses that I want to mention from it is the first one. It says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. And it says in verses uh, 6, it says, Upon you I have leaned before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as important to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. And then the final verses, which are uh, 23 through 24. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed. Who sought to do me hurt. And so I like this psalm because number one, it's praises to God for what he's done in the past. But number two, it it shows that his the praise of the psalmist is continual. It's through the ups and the downs, and they have confidence that they will continue to worship and praise God even in the future, which they don't know whether or not God will do what he they're asking of him they know that he will do what is right and that's why they continue to praise him even when it seems uncertain and scary and that's just something that i've noticed through a lot of the psalms so i wanted to mention it because it's the same um demonstration of faith that we see by paul and silas praying and singing hymns to god while they are wrongfully imprisoned and so i kind of have three points maybe four points here today that I want to talk to you guys about. But the first is the significance of Paul and Silas praising God. And the second we're going to get into right now, and it is picking up in Acts 16, 26. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here. And so I'm going to pause there before we jump into verse 29. And it is talking about this miracle that happens and how God has freed Silas and Paul and the other prisoners. And they're free to go. The doors are open. The chains of every prisoner have fallen off. And the jailer knows this. He knows what has happened. He realizes that... um, something has gone on, that there was an earthquake, and he assumes that all of the prisoners escaped. And now if we remember back from verse 23, the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. And so this was a very, very serious thing for the jailer. He failed to do his job. And and so instead of um, facing all of the consequences of that and all of the things that would happen to him for letting these people escape, he drew his sword to kill himself. That's how serious this matter was to him. That's how serious of consequences there would be for this jailer letting these people escape, even though it wasn't um, necessarily something that he did. It was a miracle from God for um, his people to release them so that they can continue to spread the good news. And um, instead of Paul and Silas fleeing from their 
let's remember, wrongful imprisonment. They, they stay and they shout at him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I was wrongfully imprisoned, remember, I would be sitting in my uh, cell, um, chained, angry and upset and confused. Um, and I would be ready to leave as soon as those doors were open. I would be like, thank you, Jesus. And I would be uh, running out of there quickly. But um, Paul and Silas do not do that. And that is because they are not thinking selfishly. They are thinking selflessly. And this is really significant because it's not towards um, their comrades towards their friends towards their fellow apostles saying oh hey like let me help you out no they are being selfless towards the jailer and the jailer is a couple things first of all he is not jewish and so this applies to the idea of um, the jews and the gentiles during this time and how the good news was for everyone not just the jew but also to the gentile and so that's significant because they're later going to preach um, and share the good news with this man um, but also it's towards their enemy it's towards the jailer who is holding them as they're being wrongfully imprisoned and so um, it just really shows that this idea of being selfless as a Christian is not just for the people it's easy to be um, generous with and it's easy to help and love. This is for every single person. And I have a couple verses that go along with that because I know that this is hard to do. But if we see God's truth in front of us, then it's a little bit easier to find that motivation and um, confidence in strength from the Holy Spirit to act upon those commands by God. And so the first um, command or example of this is Matthew 5, 43 through 44. And it says this, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies too. Pray for those who treat you badly. And this is Jesus talking here. And that seems really strange. That seems like, contra cultural like that doesn't make sense to love your enemies like those who are like persecuting you treating you badly mean to you like those are the people you have to love and and the answer is yes and that's what makes christians so um distinct in society or it's what should make us distinct is the fact that we are loving every single person out there to the best of our abilities and better than the best of our abilities as um, God's love is being shown through us. And that is a powerful, powerful thing because just as the other prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas praying and singing hymns to God, most of the time Christians are being watched. We're being looked at. How are they acting? How are they responding to this scenario? What what are they saying about this topic? And one of the things that we should be demonstrating if we have saving faith, if we really are grateful and acceptant and believing in the sacrifice of Jesus, we should be living our lives like that and we should be living our lives loving other people and loving our enemies because people will notice that people will see that and want to know what that's about and so it's really important that when um paul and silas are staying here they're not staying for a buddy they're staying for someone it is very hard to love and we're gonna find out why in a little bit 
And just another quick verse that goes along with this idea of not um, favoring some people over others, but really loving everyone, sharing the good news with everyone, treating everyone the same. And that is with unimaginable, unconditional love. Um, this is James 2.9. It says, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. And so this also goes with the idea of loving your enemies and um, the context of this is actually treating poor and rich people the same. And so this is really um, hard to do. It's a little bit scary that um, favoritism is a sin, um, but it's definitely something that we need to know about, that we need to be um, focusing on in our day-to-day lives because um, there's a lot going on in our country, in our world, and there's a lot of division and there is a lot of um, sometimes judgment of different people groups. And something that the Lord is clear on is that we are supposed to love every single person the same, and that is unconditional. It doesn't matter that they stabbed you in the back. It doesn't matter what they did, frankly, because we have been given unimaginable mercy and grace and forgiveness, and that is what we are supposed to give to other people. And so loving them with that relentless, that uncomprehendable love of loving someone who is your enemy is what we're called to do. And that doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. That doesn't matter um, if they're Jew or Gentile. That doesn't matter what race they are. It's for every single person out there. And so this comes up in this story with Paul and Silas um, staying for this jailer in particular. And so we're going to pick back up in verse 29. It says, The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so this shows that the jailer understands the significance of this moment. He understands that Paul and Silas basically just saved his life because he was about to kill himself for letting them escape. And they said, no, we did not escape. We chose to stay. The doors were open. We had every right to walk out of that prison. But because of you, because we're being selfless as Christians, we are going to stay for you. And he knew what that meant. And he probably too had heard them praying and singing hymns. He knew probably why they were in Philippi, that they were Christians, that they were apostles, that they were spreading the good news about this guy named Jesus who died so that people could have life. And he is just trembling. He fell down and trembled at their feet, asking them, what must I do to be saved? And this shows the power of the truth. This shows the power of witness, the power of being selfless towards other people, because it doesn't make sense. It goes against the norm in every single way. Something that most of us have learned from a young age is that if someone does something to you to an extent, you have a right to do something back to them. And there's this idea of retaliation that's almost ingrained into us. And instead of that, Paul and Silas are just really showing true selflessness in risking their own lives to stay for this jailer because they don't want him to die. And he's asking what can I do to be saved? Because he sees their faith. He sees their confidence in their God, in their prayers, in their hymns. And he wants that for himself. He wants that selfless love for other people. And he wants that saving grace. 
And they reply in verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. And so Paul and Silas share the good news with this jailer and he is saved and his household is saved and they have life and life everlasting. And that is such a gift. And they are rejoicing because they know what a gift that is. And it wouldn't have been possible without the selflessness of Paul and Silas staying in that prison so that that jailer wouldn't die and sacrificing their own lives, putting their safety on the line for this jailer who was in every uh, sense of the word their enemy um but but to paul and silas he was just another lost soul who needed to be loved who needed to hear the truth and who needed to have have redemption with god and so the the third thing that I want to mention about Paul and Silas, the first was that they're praising God in all circumstances. The second is that they stay for a jailer, which demonstrates their lack of favoritism and their love for all people. And the third is that they share the gospel with him. And um, this is another selfless act because when you share the gospel with someone, you are sharing the good news that you have. And something that I want to challenge you guys with is what are you being selfish with? There's a lot of things I'm selfish with. Some of them are um, my time, um, my money, my uh, mercy, forgiveness, and grace towards my family, towards my friends. Um, And it's hard to do. It's, it's hard to be like Jesus when we're not Jesus, when we have sinful nature. But that's why we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to help and transform us. That's why we need to get into our word to read about Jesus, to pray so that we can become more like him in a slow process called sanctification. Um, but there are many things that I think I can, in my own life, identify areas where I'm being selfish. But I want to challenge you, where are areas you're being selfish? Is it with your safety? Uh, Like Paul and Silas gave up their safety for God. Is it with your life? Like literally laying down your life for God. Have you ever thought of that? Would you be too selfish, too caring for your own life to give it up to God in an act of selflessness to grow his kingdom? That's a really, really difficult thing to think about, but that is the true character of selflessness, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Is it with um, the good news? Are you just keeping the good news under a cover, not sharing with people this gift, this glorious life that you have? If you're not spreading that to your friends, to your family, to the people you love, to the to the people that don't know the saving grace in the redemption and the ability to be right with God that they have, then that is a little bit selfish in my mind. And I am only saying this because I am doing the same things. I don't always share the good news. And that is selfish of me because I know how powerful it is. I know it has the ability to change hearts and change lives. And if you don't share that with other people, then you're not really truly loving them because 
you want to see them in heaven and you need to have that selflessness of going out and telling other people where you get your life, where you get your grace and why you're living your life as a Christian. It's important that we're spreading that good news because that is an act of selflessness as Paul and Silas did with this jailer. And just a couple other things that we tend and I tend to be selfish with is our time, our money, and our future. Are you depending upon yourself for all of these things? Are you focused on yourself for all of these things? A lot of us are self-serving, but instead we want to be God-serving and we want to be furthering his kingdom. And so a couple of the things that I mentioned um, when talking about Paul and Silas in Acts 13 is, is their hope, their confidence, or their faith, but also their love this man. First was their hope and their confidence and faith as they were um, praying and singing hymns to God. They knew that um, whatever he did would be um, the right thing and that they trusted him with that. And that is their hope and their confidence. But um, just as 1 Corinthians 13 says, and now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest is love and the love that they demonstrated for this jailer and the love that they had to share the gospel with him is greatest and ultimately the greatest love that we can look to. True selflessness, the greatest act, the most powerful, the one has, that has the ability to change lives completely is Jesus's example of selflessness. And that's what they told the jailer here. And that was true selflessness. That was true love um, and obedience to God. And that was when Jesus bared the burden, said, yes, God, I will. I will die for these people who are my enemies. I will die for all of them, no matter what race they are, no matter what they look like, no matter what they've done. Yes, I will die for them with nothing in return. Even if they don't turn to me, even if they hate me, I still will die for them. That's what Jesus said in his selfless love for us. He was beaten and he was hung on the cross. He was mocked and he did that for us out of his love. And that gave us the ability to be redeemed with God. That was an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It made us right with God. And that is the example of selflessness that we can look to to share with other people. Another example of that is is the example of Paul and Silas in Acts 16. But really, Um, We should be reminded daily of Jesus' example of love, and we should try to live that out with our own selflessness and um, with our own confidence in God that ultimately his will will be done. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys with that message today to challenge you to be selfless in your own lives and to go out and say, what, where am I being selfish where I should be selfless and how can I love people better? How can I Um, not show favoritism to those around me, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, just as Jesus did in his own selflessness. And so that was really all that I had for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening and just taking this time to join me on this journey as we learn together how to faithfully follow God.